Blog Talk Radio. Here we go. Thank you. You have tuned into the Margolin Guy. This is uh, Bruce Margolin right here, and I'm Jason Isaac Brodsky, uh, your side host, and uh, we will get underway. Just a moment, let me tell you about Bruce Margolin. Uh, since 1967, Bruce Margolin has represented his clients in all types of criminal matters. He has also successfully defended more marijuana cases than any other attorney in the country. Margolin has served as chairman for the Ethics Committee for the NACDL, National Association for Criminal Defense Lawyers. He was awarded the Certificate of Appreciation from the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, as well as received honors for his work on behalf of the Constitution Rights Foundation. Since 1973, he has been director of the Los Angeles National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, Normal, and was also an advisor for Proposition 215, Californians for Compassionate Use, and has served as legal counsel for the California Hemp Initiative. As a candidate for governor in California in 2003 and Congress in 2012, he has helped establish the credibility of marijuana legalization policies. And without further ado, uh, let me give it on over to Bruce Margolin. Well, thank you so much for reading the back of my guide. And by the way, before we go any further, I want to say that picture in the back there is not me. That's my guru, Neem Koli Baba. I met him in 1970 uh, when I retired from practice when I was a young lawyer, took a sabbatical. Many years ago, and I'll tell you the story if you want to hear it sometime, but tonight we're going to talk about the law in you, because we've got a lot to talk about what's going on here as these days. The, the laws are confusing, as they always have been, and I'm going to try to unconfuse people about those laws, and I'm also going to try to explain to, not only the new legalization laws, but the laws involving what's called the licensing, business licensing laws, because I'm down for that as well. Meantime, um, tell me what we do from here. Now, you're the host, and Certainly. I want to hear the story. How do you run the show, and how can I help you help them and help everybody in this world stay out of trouble and be able to smoke that sacred herb, okay? Yes, sir. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I actually really want to get marijuana legalized. I want to get people out of jail. I want to get people not being hurt anymore by marijuana. I want safe access. I want no taxation. I want simple ease of growing marijuana, and one wishes to grow marijuana within California, they should be allowed to grow as much as they darn well please, under the happiness of themselves. I believe in the marijuana pursuit of happiness very much, and have been crafting a bill titled as such that is very simple, as your marijuana pursuit of happiness, that marijuana, a cannabis plant, non-genetically modified, um, pursuit choice to go after and do whatever I want with the marijuana plant uh, of fill in the blank for anyone in the world. And happiness is happiness for my prosperity, my livelihood, and health using cannabis. Okay, well, I'm down for everything you said, matter of fact. I'm really down for this because I go way back, as you know, folks, and as you know, I've been fighting the cause since 1967. I um, worked a lot with Jack Herrera, and I know he's our, our leader, God bless his soul. And what they teach you talking about, I'm down for that. I want you to tell you something, okay? We've put many campaigns out there over the many years. We've had Prop 19. We've had before that in 676, another proposition, another initiative. We almost came close to winning, very close. But then the bureaucrats took over in, in Sacramento. And when they got in full of the idea, well, finally they woke up to it. Maybe this is a good platform, guys. I've been talking about it for years. That's why I ran for all those public offices and showed that I could do very well on the marijuana legalization platform. Matter of fact, when I ran for governor, they gave me that term, marijuana legalization lawyer, and I was quite at the top of the heap of 134 candidates in that campaign, again waking them up. Again, I ran in Congress. I ran for U.S. I ran for, in 1970, I ran for uh, the Assembly here in, in Los Angeles from a district that was very well uh, healed. It was from Hollywood to the Ventura County line along the Santa Monica Mountains. That seat was owned and held by one guy for 26 years, wow. a Republican named Charles Conrad. And where, where's the, where's the, where's the, uh, the, the screen? Where can I look in the, in the, the camera's oh, over there? Oh, it's over there. Yeah. Five minutes figures out. Sorry, guys. Anyway, Charles Conrad was in office 26 years as the assemblyman. They did basically nothing to speak of, but he stayed there. I challenged him in 1970, won the primary, and almost beat the guy by 5% on the marijuana legalization platform is a big part of my campaign. That turned around the whole West Side because 
the Democrats got an idea. Maybe this guy could be beat. And Berman, Howard Berman, and, and Waxman, Howard Waxman, which is a Berman-Waxman team, they took over the West Side, but they were down for our cause. And I had a lot of parties with them, and everything was cool. Now, let's get back to the reality I'm talking about here. It's a problem I have with the fact that Sacramento took over this campaign. They came up with Prop 64. Now, I realized that it was important that it passed for one particular and only one really strong reason. It would call for the term legalization to take place. That was a very important, pivotal for the stage. If we didn't get it done this time, we might have never got it done because it came close last time up in the, on Prop 19, uh, but we were, but no, we paid no participation in the way they made that language in Prop 64. All the people that were down for the cause, they were fighting for the campaign, including Bill Geringer, the head of Cal Normal, uh, including, um, uh, what's her name, Kathy? What's her name, Dale, Dale Sky Jones. She was the head of Prop 19. All the people that worked in all over the state of California to legalize weed were not contacted. It was all done in Sacramento. And they came up with this uh, Sacramento Prop 64. And as far as I'm concerned, I have the same thing you do. You know, we know enough about weed, whether it's good weed or bad weed. We don't need the government to tell us all about it, okay? We should have weed. Like we go down and get broccoli, we get some broccoli at the store, we get some weed at the store. We're paying taxes? Well, we're paying income tax, right? We're paying sales tax. What else do you want from our lives? Why beat us up? Why cheat us like criminals and tax the crap out of it so it's so expensive that only the rich can have it and only the rich can sell it? And that's what's happening with Prop 64. You know, I'm down for legalization. I don't want to criticize other campaigns, but I'm not happy with Prop 64, and I'm down for changing it, and I'm not going to give up until we have freedom at last because I agree with what my host says. Life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness is all we're talking about with the herb, okay? Life that preserves your life. Liberty, it's your justifiable, it's your, it's your liberty to be able to decide for yourself whether you want to put that substance in your system or not. And the pursuit of happiness, let's get it. You know, mm -hmm. the people call it in India, people who smoke weed, the happy people. You know what? We are the happy people, okay? And everybody knows it. Matter of fact, I read an article the other day about Willie Nelson, when some big, big shot, some politician or something, or big football star, said, you know, Willie Nelson turned me on to weed, and now I'm going to weed in Hawaii. And so he said, but I had a quote from Willie Nelson. He said, you know what? You can't be depressed when you're smoking high, okay? It's the, it's the antidote for all that bullshit we live in this world. Plus, everything else is sacred herb does. And so we've got to protect it. We've got to make it available to everybody, and we can't let them... It, Designed it out of reality. What that good old mix, like the good old days. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I can smoke that all day long. And why get all these fancy these deals in these stores and cost dollars and dollars on top of dollars? And so we, I'm down for changing it. Yeah. So we're on the same team, okay? I'd like to debate with your ass, but I can't do it. <laughs> because well, because, because, because we're debating with the choir. Uh, yeah, that's the problem. Some, yeah. Some, something I'm really uh, aiming towards yeah. is taking a lot of the existing appropriations bills, Senate bills, uh, the Jack Hare initiative as a framework yeah, yeah. and using those as a definition in this uh, marijuana pursuit of happiness bill that I'm working on to make it so people cannot be taxed. Let me tell you, this is a problem. Okay. I'll explain it to you in the, in the, in the, in the audience. When you get an initiative passed on the ballot in the state of California, that's like a constitutional amendment. It cannot be changed by legislation. Okay. So if I give an example, though, one thing I was to come, come to my mind the other day, which I was very concerned about, normal, Cal Normal, and it's, by the way, if you don't know about normal, it's a national organization before marijuana laws. We've been down for the cause all these years, okay? I've been the director of Los Angeles Normal since 1973. Before that, another campaign called CAMP, the campaign to abolish marijuana prohibition. But nevertheless, normal has a law, right now bought a bill to the state of California and go out assembly men to present the bill. Now, it was tough for both, I think it was before yesterday. I don't know what the result is, but unfortunately, this had to do with patients' rights to be able to not be fired from their jobs, okay? Now, Prop 64 says that, and I thought it said, that, that um, employers can fire people or not hire them they smoke weed, and that's life in the city. However, Dale explained to me, oh, I got a call. Sorry, guys. Couldn't be my daughter. 
Can't talk about it. Okay, I just I can't talk right now. Okay, so let me finish. All right, so we have an initiative on that. We have a, a, a legislation up in Sacramento right now would say if they pass it, then medical patients cannot be denied their right to a job. They cannot be fired because of that. And I thought, well, that's a problem. Uh, Dale, I called him last week. You can't change an initiative by legislation. He said, well, in fact, the initiative, the way it's worded, just said we're not interfering with that. And what he's talking about in the state of California, they can do our own rules regarding that. It's not federal rules we're talking about. Of course, you work for the federal government or a place that's supported by the feds. Yes, they can deny you a job. But in California, if we pass this bill, we're going to be rocking at least for medical patients, okay? We won't be stressing about losing your job. You know what these freaking employers are doing? These people that have been at their, at their service of maybe 20, 30, 40 years, they're talkers and smokers and midnight jokers. Oh, this is convenient. Fuck them. We're going to fire them. They'll lose their retirement, okay? And that's what's been happening to them. A lot of people that are mature and are getting screwed by this, uh, this way they're firing people in order to take away their their um, their um, retirement funds, okay? So that's just part of the picture. Nevertheless, I, I also agree with you. There's problems with Prop 64. I'll tell you what I've been fighting about. You want to hear about it oh, right please. now? Okay, now. Prop 64 basically screws us out of being a smoke and joke and midnight talk anywhere except if you own a home, okay? If you don't own a home, uh, your own residence, there's no place you can go. If you own an apartment or a condo, if the landlord says you don't want to don't want to smoke in that building, you can't smoke in the week, and you can't smoke in public, and you can't smoke in your car. So we're basically screwed as Prop 64 regarding where you can go unless you're rich and you have a residence to go to. I've been fighting for on-site consumption licensing. Matter of fact, I did a big deal before the city council, and I got a big article in L.A. Times over it. As a matter of fact, you might want to look at my guide when you get a chance. Tells you how wonderful I am. But uh, there's an article in there about this fight I'm having over Prop, over Prop 64 allowing outside consumption because it is one of the things that's allowed under Prop 64 that licensing should be allowed for places to hang out. For example, you know, you go there, you drink a cup of coffee, you take a funky hang with people. It's like we used to have with Dennis Perone's cannabis, uh, what's called the uh, Berkeley Cannabis Club. Was it Oakland Cannabis Club? Uh, the Cannabis Virus Club. Cannabis Virus Club. I was there. It was fantastic. The island? Whatever it's called. When you walk into that place, you, you just relaxed, okay? It was beautiful. People were supporting each other. It was a whole new world. It was beautiful. And that's, we have to have that available to us so we can hang together, just like these drunks do all day long in the bars, okay? And we're not drunks. We're talking about people that get loving together, get beautiful together. You know, part of the things I'm down for also is uh, the sacred use of the sacred herb and expressing the truth of that and also reminding people about it. I have, an, I have another little shtick besides my, my law practice, which my website is 420laws, L-A-W-S.com. My telephone number, 1-800-420-LAWS. But beyond that, or maybe besides that, is my 420 yoga classes, okay? 420yoga.com. So I have the 420yoga.com. I have the 1-800-420-LAWS. And I have the 1-800-420s.com for my website. But going on with that, this, this thing, this uh, 420 yoga, has to remind people of the sacred use of this herb, okay? And why it's important to discuss its sacred use. It's in my guide. It's, I think I put it like this. Um, what does it say about 420 yoga? I know that's something that I um, Well, take my word for it. It's um, part of my shtick is this 420 yoga because I think it's important people realize this is not recreational, okay? I think that's a, I think that's a play down. I think it's a, kind of almost insulting to classify it as recreational. It's adult use. That's what they call it. Adult use is sufficient. Don't let them say recreational because it, it downgrades its, um, its value. So anyway, then getting back to that, uh, we, we, I would like to see a new initiative because that's what it's going to take, even though in this particular situation with the ability to change this part about uh, employers being able to fire medical patients, we may better get over that with legislation because it was the way it was written in Prop 64. It didn't really exclude California from making all decisions on that issue. But other things like where you can smoke and where you can joke is very limited, except for the outside consumption possibility of little uh, speaky, not speakeasies, but little bars or whatever you want to call them, lounges they call them. And so um, I, I, I met with the president of the city council. I met with Cap Packer about it some months ago. 
And uh, they were both down for it, but they explained to me, and what the, the president explained to me at the city council is that there's a lot of naysayers on the city council. They're still old school. They're still talking about how dangerous weed is, and I think they're still pandering to their own um, you know, constituents, which is still going on. And that's the name of the game. We're still fighting the battle of these people not saying this is an evil weed and that it's going to make it rape and kill us. It's the same old bullshit we're dealing with. Even here in Beverly Hills, where my offices are, by the way, and if you want to call me, call me 1-800-420-LAWS, and I'll talk to you about all these matters. And if you get in trouble, God forbid, uh, you can call me about that because I've defended more marijuana cases than any lawyer in the United States. I'm proud to say that. And now I'm down for morphing into a, a uh, licensing lawyer because we don't have much of a choice. I'm trying to keep my bros out of trouble by at least getting a license so they won't be in trouble in the future. But it's a struggle. It's an expense, and we really left out of this whole thing of Pop 64, the cottage industry that deserves respect and an opportunity mm. to be able to participate in this extraordinary time of legalized marijuana. So I am really uh, encouraged by your words tonight, and I'm encouraged by the idea that people will get together, and we're not giving up yet. We're not really free at last. Yes, it's legal, and we can talk and smoke and joke in our own homes, and that don't mean much because you can't go anyplace else. It's nothing like walking in the country and out in some beautiful garden out in the forest and being able to get high and not to worry about some kind of ticket. Now, my God, I explained about those tickets. They're not cheap. I got news for you. Smoking in public is only $100, yes. But you I got to worry about cops on your case, right? And number two is that $100 can turn into $500 as far as the penalty assessors added to it. Smoking in your car? 250 bucks plus penalty assessment. You're talking about, about a grand fine. This is no joke, all right? Having an open container in your vehicle. You know, uh, you cannot have a, a container that has not that is not sealed. Once that seal is broken, that's got to go in your trunk. That's a fine also. It's all laid out on my guide. This is my guide we're talking about. This is my 22nd um, year annual guide which I started putting out basically because of an event with Jack Herrera, okay? I used to go with Jack Herrera, particularly over here at the, um, it's called the, uh, uh, it's uh, the Federal Building, okay, in Westwood. Maybe you were there? Were you yeah. There? You were yeah. there in those days? Not in those days. So, anyway, he used to put out a lot of uh, events there, okay? Uh, and we put out a lot of, you know, shows and talking about why we had to legalize it. And I would give speeches about what the laws were. And I realized people didn't freaking know the laws. So I put out a pamphlet at that time called the Hamster's Guide to State and Federal Marijuana Law. Because we were down for being hamsters, okay? Well, my publisher said, you know, you should give this, you give this you kind of change it to my name because we're hustling business, you know? So I called it the Mar Golden Guide. But I put this off for 22 years, and it's online. You can read it online. You can download it online. I give it to all the dispensaries. I hand them out to people that want them. But online they're free, and I also had them all for free. Although the price on the back is 420, so if anyone wants to get in the business and wants to get a number of them, you know maybe we can work out some kind of a deal. Nevertheless, uh, the guide includes everything you possibly want to know about possession, cultivation, sales, transportation, medical marijuana, and licensing laws, especially collectors of marijuana and DUIs. So tonight I want to talk about DUIs in particular, if you don't mind, Please. because people are very much in jeopardy of getting DUIs, and those are no joke, okay? So let me take the mic and give it back to you for a moment. I see here you've got marijuana pursuit of happiness, right? On the screen, is it? Can yeah. you see that? Can they uh, see that? Not yet. I mean, on another, well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I could change this icon to that. Well, I want, okay. So he says, what did you say there, marijuana what? Okay, here we go. The exact wording. Marijuana, any natural, non-GMO cannabis plant. Pursuit, I want to make anything I want with cannabis. And then okay. of is like, you know, you fill in the blank, that's your yeah. end life. Okay. Then, Happiness, my livelihood and health shall not be taxed. And then from there, okay. what, a definition of every single letter to the word, what is being taxed, what is not being taxed, what is my health, what is my livelihood, a business is my livelihood. You know, uh, I want to make anything I want with cannabis, anything. Okay, so every letter in happiness should you be running with it, right? Yeah. Okay, let's move on a little bit. Okay, let's now talking about happiness real quick. I want to tie that with my beautiful love who's here tonight. Maybe she'll come over and say hello to the uh, to the crowd. Put the one. 
You want to come say hello to the group of people out here watching us, about 9,000 of them? Okay, so she's cooking my dinner because I got home late because I'm a working guy every Hi, day. Namaste. Okay, that's the screen right there. For, oh, okay. So Pritawan and I went to, went to Thailand recently, and I'm bringing this up because of happiness, okay? And we read a sign there, which we really think a lot of. It said there's no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. You've got to go from happiness from within yourself. Now, what marijuana does for some people to opens up those things inside myself that will allow you to experience your your connection with, with yourself and with the presence, okay? And the reason that people smoke and joke and why it's so important for us to do it together is if you're, excuse me, going back in this whole story about my philosophical things, you mind? Oh, please. Okay. Really love everything okay. you talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a Hindu Buddhist, okay? I'm a Hindu, I'm a Jew, and I'm a Buddhist, all right? But nevertheless, uh, what I learned in India, and I just, we just came back from a trip to India, by the way, came back about a month ago. It was beautiful. We were there for three weeks. And uh, what I was learning way back in the past is they think of this herb as spiritual, okay? And they call it, they, they say that it is Shiva's, the manifestation of Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is one of the three triads of Hindu philosophy. Brahma, the creator, Vishnu the preserver and Shiva the destroyer. The people think of Shiva all these toys, houses, he kills people and all that stuff. What Shiva does and what Shiva is manifested in the form of Ganja, they call it Charis, is it destroys not the homes or the houses of people's life. It's the ego. It takes the ego away. When you talk and your ego gets a little less involved with who you are and you're with other people, you know immediately you're getting along well, okay? That's why people don't fight with each other at pot parties. Nothing like that happens because it's not that Lord Shiva has taken away a little bit of their ego to the degree that they're not so self-absorbed that they even confront anybody else. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to hang out with people that are smoking herb and talking about the reality of life. And that's why we have to protect us so much. And I totally agree with you. It is life, liberty, to produce and have. So life is your happiness. Life is your health. Liberty is your freedoms we talk about in America. And the pursuit of happiness is one of the ways which we want to pursue it. And that should be our choice. And how, how is that written exactly in... Uh, it's written like that. Yeah. It's I mean, in the Constitution. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. That's what it says in the Constitution of the United States of America. We're guaranteed that. Yes. So guarantee, guys. That's what they say. You know, I'm a criminal, I'm a criminal lawyer, as you mentioned. I defended thousands of cases, okay, all kinds of cases, everything from marijuana to murder. As a matter of fact, I also defended Timothy Leary, which some of you might know about. Nevertheless, I was going to say something along the lines that um, um, I've learned over the many years, and really, actually, I first gave a lawyer the law is only as good as those who interpret it and those who enforce it. It don't mean anything how fancy the Constitution is. If the youth don't hold up to it and, and, and follow the laws and the rights of the Constitution, we don't have any. Now, that's the job of a defense lawyer. It's not so much to get that murderer off. It's to make sure that that murderer gets his rights so that when a poor person comes along that's innocent, those rights will be in place. If we didn't fight for the rights of everybody that comes in that courtroom, those judges wouldn't even know what we're talking about when the crime comes from somebody that could be innocent. So this is a, that's our story about why it is the criminal defense lawyers are really the guardian of the Constitution and the guardian of those out there, all of us, to protect us against a government that can take those rights away and, uh, as you see it around the world, it can happen so quickly. And we're dangerous right now. We're in danger territory right now. Our rights being taken away. I'm very concerned about the, the proliferation of this uh, social networking and the degree which the government can uh, participate in, in following everything we do. I don't think I, I got nothing to hide. I just uh, the right to privacy, I think, is pretty important, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's really something you'd like to have in this world. You want to feel private in your home, private where you go. You'd like to have your own, your own space. And, and we get a choice when we want to record. That's another part. Guarantee the constitutional right of uh, freedom of expression and the freedom of the press which we know is in big jeopardy, too. There's a lot of threat to that. Okay, now, do you want to move around and talk about the DUI? Yeah, actually, I'd really like to hear because there's something things going down in uh, Sacramento as add-ons to the um, Proposition 64 about DUI. 
Well, there is, but, but, but so what, what's going on? Do you have something that I don't know well, about? Well, just something breezed uh, that I had heard about that they're adding. Well, let, okay, let me. I want to get the normal newsletter because there's something in there about that. Hold on, guys. By the way, if you're not a member of Normal, for fifty freaking bucks, you can join for the year. Okay, you get a lot of stuff. First of all, you get the parties that I put on for Normal, which are groovy and fun. Number two is. They are. We have, to, we have some rocking parties, okay? I've had them for 50 years in my practice. Beyond that, and normal, you get a newsletter every month, and you get invited to different events that we're having, like Sacramento to go to legislatures and fight about stuff. And normal does a good job for all kinds of things. And I'll explain that to you when I get this pamphlet, what they're doing about this issue. You're talking about new legislation for the DUI. And I think it's a, I think it's a matter, there's a legislation to say that anybody under 21 that gets... Stop for a DUI, loses a license or some damn thing. Okay, so that's not pretty. Let me get my. Let me get the guy. Okay. Here we go. Yes, and as uh, the state of California is forming its Bureau of Cannabis Control under the uh, auspices of Proposition 64, California has more rules against marijuana than we ever have had before, of things and justifications to punish people. For use of a sacred plant, a natural plant, a healing plant, and so many rules more than we need, and finding ways to clean up all these rules and let people live with their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It is, it is a legalization. We have we have regulation. Okay, that's what it is. It's all regulated. Everything's regulated up our ass. Matter of fact, there's more regulation for marijuana than there is for the oil companies and certainly for the liquor companies. Okay, so. We've got to talk about that. Now, all right, so um, employment rights bill for medical marijuana patients introduced in California. This is what I'm talking about in the normal newsletter, okay? And this is the normal newsletter that came out. Uh, this is one that came out uh, uh, in March 2018. It talks about this bill we have before the legislature to hopefully allow at least patients to be protected from being fired and or not hired because they smoked the sacred herb. Now, also... This other article that I think I noticed in here is about this issue that you brought up. It has to do with DUI laws. And uh, well, I'm going to explain to you folks about DUI cases in a moment because I think everybody's got to be game on game when it comes to this because you're all vulnerable to getting busted and getting uh, charged with DUI if you don't play your cards right. Oh, that's it right here. Here's the that one. That's the underage drivers? Yeah. Normal opposes bill to suspend licenses of underage drivers. Cal Norma is opposing the bill, instead of Bill 1273, by Senator Barry Hill of the San Mateo that would, would authorize police to test any drivers under 21 for marijuana and automatically suspend their licenses for one year if any detectable amount of THC was found in their systems. Cal Norma denounced the proposal as a misuse of, of, uh, of enforcement sources, and would definitely do to make the safe, make the road safer, and um, and uh, and to use uh, and to reduce drug abuse, according to Dale Garriger, our, our our director of Cal Normal. I did mention I've been the director of LA Normal since 1973, so we have similar kinds of titles, but he does a lot of work, man. He's a beautiful guy. Uh, when it will be done, what will be, what will we do to encourage police to indiscriminately drug test young people for no good reason and take their licenses without any evidence of impairment or driving dangerously? So that gives them like an open door to stop anybody 21, test them for weed, and take their license. Now, that's fucked up, isn't it? Guilty by association. No, it's just because you're 21, you lose your rights. I don't get well, it. Well, I mean, that's yeah. people in a car that get yeah. pulled over for something, and if you're a passenger and they find marijuana on you and you're underage because you're associated with that person who's getting busted, therefore you're getting searched too. And then now no, no, hold on. Let's talk about that. Now, let's talk about Pop 64. Pop 64 says, it's interesting, I like this part, it says that marijuana and the smell of marijuana is no longer a probable cause. Well, the federal government said that, too. 
No, they did. What are you talking about? Smell yeah. of marijuana by the feds, they can go up your ass with it. Okay? Maybe it's some states, but... Uh, no, no. Everybody said the smell of marijuana. For 50 years I've been fighting this okay. issue. The smell of marijuana is probable cause because marijuana is illegal. And if they smell it, that's enough for them to know that it's there, and they can go and freaking search for it under most circumstances, okay? Especially in a vehicle. They don't need a warrant because the vehicle's movable and easily taken away. It's an exception to the warrant requirements. So Pop 64 says, well, then if it's true that uh, it doesn't give probable cause to search, and matter of fact, there's one case that's come down so far from the Court of Appeals where a kid was walked up to the cops, the cops walked up to him, they smelled weed on him, and they searched him because they could smell weed. The court confirmed they couldn't smell, they couldn't search his ass, okay? However, if you're in a car and they smell the weed, the argument from the district attorney's offices will be that's contraband because you can't have weed in the car that is not in a sealed container for openers, okay? And so they have a right to look for that. So that puts you in jeopardy of being uh, searched no matter what if the car stinks, okay? Because of the fact that they can search for that contraband being that item that would cause you to get a ticket. But beyond that, they're going to be up your butt about whether you're DUI. They love to bust people DUI because they want to build statistics. They want to say, well, we're right. We've got a lot of DUI, more cases we had before. In fact, it's not true. In Oregon and and and, and, uh, and, and Colorado, it hasn't bared out that there's more DUI uh, people on the road or convictions based upon marijuana. But they would like to see it otherwise. So you get pulled over. And they're going to ask you some questions. Do I, do I smell marijuana here? You got any marijuana? And you just have to ask the officer if, why you're being detained and try not to respond to his questions directly, but be polite. Number two is, um, uh, if you ask the last time you smoke, again, you say, why am I being detained? You don't want to talk about it, all that. You have no reason to do it, okay? You admit to anything. You don't have to admit to anything. And by the way, they don't have to advise you of your constitutional rights at that point. Because another example of our Supreme Courts, who we've dealt with over the years, have watered down the Miranda rights to a degree that if they're merely detaining you and they haven't arrested you, quotes arrested you, and that's another issue when that happens, but not very clear, then they don't have to advise your rights. So when you're being detained, they can ask you all kinds of questions. You're fool enough to answer them. That's your problem. And number two, and maybe more important than anything else I could tell you right now, is that you're not required to take the fuel sobriety test. It's not a requirement. You have, unlike it is required that if you're arrested, you must take a chemical test, either a blood, breath, or urine test. Otherwise, you lose your license. But otherwise, you're not required to take the fuel sobriety test. And that's how they get you. They get you based upon the cop's opinion of how you pass those fuel sobriety tests or how you didn't. And let me tell you, on the street at night with a flashlight in your face, no one's going to pass whether you're loaded or not. And weed's not going to be affect you anyway. We know that. Really, you don't lose your equilibrium or anything on the marijuana. But these cops will say what they want to say because that's the basis of this world we live in. I guess, you know, they have their duty to God and country, and they want to get the bad people off the streets. Although I want to tell you something. The amount of marijuana cases that I have today, that I had, and I had maybe even three years ago, is about 10%. Thank goodness. Very few people are being busted. And that's good for us right now. And I hope it stays that way. In part, I think the, the cops are a little confused about the law until they get enough training. And then also beyond that, possession for sale, sale, transportation, misdemeanors. The cops are not too excited about misdemeanor prosecution because they're not going to get much, they're not going to get, uh, much uh, blood out of the poor defendant. They could get up to six months, but people aren't really getting that. And even that, they only have to serve half time. So they're not very inspired about marijuana prosecutions. And thank goodness, my practice is completely turned around as far as marijuana prosecution cases. I'm pleased to tell you that. And, of course, I still have a criminal practice and I'm defending people on criminal charges, and that's okay, and I appreciate the opportunity to serve them. And I'm also morphed into a cannabis licensing lawyer trying to get people licenses. But let's go back to this. So we're in the midst of- And also uh, a radio and now YouTube host. Well, I'm, I'm a guest. Okay. But I have an MOTV program. I've had several of my own said, uh, about the fact, I do these things all the time. And I try to get myself available because I really want people to know the law and stay out of trouble. Because knowing your law and the rights is the best way to stay out of trouble, as it says right here. 
and no one belongs in jail for marijuana, for openers, okay? That happens to be my service mark. It's like a trademark given to you by the federal government. No one belongs in jail for marijuana. I'm proud of it. Okay, so with that in mind, is anybody out there listening to this that call us in for a question or no? Uh, right now we have the blog talk, but we have an advertised phone number. Uh, okay. The rounds on this. Don't, I mean, that there's a, probably a few people listening live, like five. Okay. But then there's a few hundred through a round robin. That they All right. That okay. Well, let's, and then YouTube is just start. The YouTube part is just starting. People are now going to be able to see the YouTube as well. YouTube. Is, oh, that's good. Yeah. I got a lot. Of, I've been on a lot of YouTube programs, and and it's a very important to have it. And uh, so, you, why don't you give the, your plug for your, your uh, whatever it is? Your, your, who are you plugging for? Uh, I am plugging for God and creation. Well, I think it's like a sponsor. Oh uh, no, I don't. No, I I plug. I I, I work hourly. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to tell them about a sponsor you have or something. Oh well, I mean, there's the more of the bill, the marijuana pursuit of happiness that I'm working on. You're, you're, you're promoting your new initiative kind of thing, a, a working title. Well, yeah, we're like talking about it and making it while on this show mm-hmm. and also on my Smoke Rules radio show okay. where I talk for two hours. But let me tell you, you know, you can plant a, plant a small seed. Small seeds make big trees, okay? And so I think right now we should talk about how these people uh, uh, will help in this campaign to bring a new initiative to California that corrects many of these problems that I'm talking about tonight, okay? The fact is that the college people have been left out of the loop. You have to be a gazillionaire, basically, to be able to afford to get into the licensing business. And I'll explain that to you folks in a moment. If you want to know more about the licensing, I, I got it all down. It's all in my guide, too. I feel it's terrible. My guide is a hot tip. It's free online, I told you. It talks about all the licensing. It talks about collectors and costs, what's going on now. It talks about who has a caregiver is, how many caregivers you can have. I want them to know about Prop 420. That's right, Prop 215 still is in place, notwithstanding Prop 64, but I explained to them to what degree that is because people are still thinking about co-ops and collectives, okay? Mm-hmm. They're dying. Uh, SB 420 is being dismantled at the end of the year? That's right. It sunsets at the end of the year. Senate Bill 420 is what we passed, I think it was 2005 or 2010, where... Um, it provided for collectors and co-ops. People, patients coming together and patients providing patients with a secret herb for no profit. And that was a mess, as you know. We didn't know what profit meant, number one. Number, uh, put the one. Put the one. Put the one. Put the one. It's making noise. Over the, over the, thank you. And, uh, and, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, put the one. Love you. All right, so... Um, um, no way. Okay, so what were we? I forget. Uh, you were talking about the fish talk about the pursuit of happiness. No, we went got beyond that. We're talking about something else. Here. Um, oh yeah, Pop sixty four and the problems and about the, the uh, well, with the the immenseness of the problems is that there's so many facets of. Oh, not the. I'm talking about Senate Bill four twenty and Pop two fifteen. Right. Okay, so Senate Bill four twenty provided for collectors and co-ops, and out of that morphed the um, dispensaries, okay, for a place that people go. Well, that that um, that bill, which is Senate Bill 420, is now going to sunset this year. I think it's actually, I think it's the 19th of December that that'll be over with. And no longer will patients be providing to patients for no profit. It'll be people that are not patients that got licenses to provide the herb patients and to adults, got it, over 21. So that's going to be replaced, and they're going to be able to do it for profit because that's what's happening with the licensing. That's what it's all about. The licensing is for everything from seed to sale. That means the transporter. That means the grower. That means the tester. That means the dispensary. That means the sh- whatever shop they're going to allow to be uh, uh, completely controlled by regulation. And then uh, from there... That's taking over, and then we won't have any collectors of co-ops. But under Senate Prop 64, it explicitly said that this did not overrule or change Prop 215. Prop 215 was a Compassionate Use Act passed in 2000, what was it, 1995 or 1996? 95. 95. At the behest of Dennis Perone, 
who was a, our star leader in that campaign, and we passed at that time the Compassionate Use Act. That only said, however, that patients can cultivate and possess marijuana, and their caregivers can also do that for them. Didn't say how much. Didn't say uh, uh, except for no profit. Didn't describe profit. So all these things we made in place right now, we still have Prop 215 that said patients can cultivate and possess marijuana, and their caregivers can do that for them. Out of the new laws, there's only five per uh, five patients per caregiver for openers. Okay, and it's limited, by, I think, by 500 square feet of herb. So that's the law under Prop 215, and that's what's going to stay in place notwithstanding Prop 64. Now, Prop 64 says that patients, inclusive, and anybody over 21, uh, and by the way, under 21, uh, people can still grow weed if they're, and have weed if they have a doctor's break, okay, uh, under 18 or above. As a matter of fact, even younger, uh, there's been cases that have been fought, and one that even younger kids can have the herb if they need it for whatever their medical purposes might be. But um, getting back to the situation as it is, uh, we can have um, marijuana as patients, uh, and uh, as cities and counties can control that, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. That's another problem. But under Prop 64, you can grow six live plants. That's what it says. Six live plants per residence. That doesn't mean you can have five people in the residence grow 25 plants. It's six live plants per residence, number one. You can have like eight grams of hash. You can have, and whatever, you, this is the other part that's interesting. You can have a little Z, an ounce of weed, legally. You can drive with it, you can possess it, you can hold it, you can carry it, and all that stuff. And you can give it away. You can give away up to an ounce of weed to your homeboys or whatever else you want to do, as long as there's no compensation whatsoever. Now, also, uh, the very important part, if you grow weed at home, you can keep whatever you grow, and that's also protected. And I want to caution you about this. and something that Ed Rosenthal mentioned to me. I think it's kind of cute. Well, maybe it was Chris Conrad. They're both very cool guys in the business and in the industry. That you better keep those root balls. If you go out and really keep those root balls at home, so you can show that hey, what are you talking about? Those four pounds I grew last year. Here's my root balls from my from my six plants. So keep that in mind. All right. So nevertheless, that's where we stand at the moment of rights, the patients' rights as far as growing marijuana at home. And right now, we still have um, Senate Bill 420 in place. That provided for collectives and co-ops and multiple people to be able to grow marijuana for each other, but not for profit. That's a big, that was a big problem. All through these years, we've had this issue going on. What was profit? You know, well, how do you prove you had no profit? What should they say you were required to do? And the cases keep coming down from the Court of Appeals uh, defining what the laws were. And they're all my guide, as you can see here. Can you see it on the screen? Uh, I can get the story. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Show, show, show them some of the cases. Remember, scan through that guide. And I'll try to house you for a minute. It's for free. You can take a look at it online. See, it. can you show us? Yeah. Can you read some? Read one of those cases. Put one out and read one or two right now. Yeah, uh, I think another one important one is uh, read this case called Peter vs. Wayman. Let's see if I can find it. We'll just read the head the title to some of these, okay? Read the title. All right. Yeah, with the be a power court landmark case. If that means the Court of Appeals has defined how the law is to be applied. Uh, that's what happens in, in this, this practice of law and the law itself. We could pass a, a statute either by legislation by the legislators or by initiative. So the law says uh, uh, you can't you could do this or you can't do that. But what happens is uh, people get convicted of doing these offenses, and then they take a case up to the Court of Appeals and say, this is not fair how I got convicted or how we, uh, the law is, and then the Court of Appeals decides how the law is to be applied. Those are called appellate cases, and some of them are called landmark appellate cases because they're very important in our particular situation regarding marijuana, how it can be distributed, how much can you possess? How much can you grow? How much can you travel with? All that has to be decided ultimately by the Court of Appeals because these statutes are very undefined. As I just told you, Prop 215 didn't say how much weed you could have or where you get the first seed. 
They didn't allow any kind of transportation at all under Prop, uh, Prop 215, but the Court of Appeals said it's implicit. You should be able to travel with it. So there's an example of how the laws are defined by the appellate courts. Now, here's a bunch of them in my guide that I've, over the years, been uh, putting out uh, so that people will understand what they can and can't do and maybe not say the stupid thing to a cop. And also, it's very effective for lawyers to be able to have these cases with them in the courtroom to be able to cite them before the court or in cases of all they wanting a jury selection, getting the judge to give you a jury instruction based upon these cases. And so any of you that's interested in really knowing the nitty-gritty of what the laws are and what they have been, or if you're attorneys working in the field, check out my guide. I've had many lawyers come up to me and say, Bruce, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that guide. It helped me so much in my court case the other day. I pulled out their cases. Boom, I rocked the roll. So they tell about some of these cases to give them an idea what these courts of appeals decide. Let's start over here. Oh, okay. Certainly, with the appellate court landmark cases, the uh, SB 420 current medical marijuana laws would remain in effect until one year after state of California licenses are issued, beginning in 2018. Under we know now it's December 19th, right? This year. Okay, on December 19th, uh, under AB 266 appropriation bill. And Proposition 64, AB 266, that's AUMA? Yeah, that was a first. What happened in 2016 or 15, actually, the state legislature provided for licensing under Assembly Bill 266, all right? That's the Adult Use Marijuana Act, all right? And so, uh, but that license doesn't take effect until just now in 2018. That's where they think, oh, we just got legalized it this year. No, it was legalized in 2016, but didn't take effect parts of it until 2018. But go ahead, keep going. Certainly. The uh, the basic titles uh, of these, a patient has a right to a hearing to dismiss the case before trial. Patients are entitled to have their medical marijuana returned to them. A doctor's oral recommendation and patient's testimony alone is enough. The judge can dismiss the patient's case in the interest of justice. Growers may not be provided to dispensaries unless they are a member of a co-op or provide. Oh, growers may not provide to dispensaries unless they are a member of a co-op or collective. Once a patient has a doctor's approval or recommendation, it does not expire automatically, and the doctor can testify about the current amounts needed. The transportation of marijuana must be for the patient's current medical needs. To quat- okay. Okay. Well, that's important what I wanted to mention. To this is called Pew versus Wyman. Okay. In this case, the defendant had about four and a half OZs in his car. He went to trial. He said, it's medical. Everybody considered it was medical. Okay. The DA would consider it was medical. And the, the doctor came in and said that it's the amount that he needed. Okay. But guess what? He was convicted before the jury. So he took it up to the appellate courts, and the appellate court says he, this is, the conviction was sustained. He, he was stayed convicted. Why? They said you can possess marijuana, and you can travel with marijuana, but it's got to be for your current medical needs. Because what happened, he claimed the reason he had it in the car is because the mother didn't like it in the house, so he kept it in the car to store it there. The court says you can't do that. You only can travel with amounts that's reasonably necessary for your current needs. And the court said further... If they was going on a long vacation, you might need four and a half ounces. They put that into what's called dictum. But that wasn't the ruling. The ruling was you have to only travel with amounts of reasonably necessary for your current medical needs. You can't be driving around with an elbow and going, you know, two blocks away to get a cup of coffee. You know, get it? So keep that in mind. Hold on. All right, here we go. To qualify as a caregiver, one must do more than provide marijuana and occasionally provide other services to a patient. That means you have to consistently assume responsibility for their health, safety, and welfare, and they have to do it before it provides herbs. So if you're a caregiver, you better be well aware of the limit of what, of what you can and how you're you going to perform the, that. The legal definitions of what a caregiver is. Yeah, it's, for a person, it's a person that consistently um, provides these things. Now, in that case there, the defendant lost. Why do you lose? Because he said he lived in L.A., he had a guy up in the San Francisco area that was very ill, and he would go up there whenever he could and bring him herb. And the court says, tough titty, 
That's not consistently assuming responsibility. You're not really a caregiver. You're just a casual uh, provider. And he lost. So remember that you know, in order to be a caregiver, you have to consistently assume, assume responsibility. And it had to be done before you provided the herb. And by the way, if you get detained or stopped or talk, have to talk to don't, don't make statements. They don't help you. They're not looking to help you on the street. They're looking to put your butt in jail. You have to be polite and kind. You can't get in their face about it. Don't get an attitude. Just say, I prefer not to make any statements, sir. I prefer not to say anything right now and leave it at that, okay? Because what happens, once you space X or A, the rest of the alphabet can be filled in by the cop of what he thinks you may have say not have said, okay? And it was a whole Pandora's box of exposure to whatever interpretation that officer might put down in his police report, and, have to, and that's going to be admissible against you. Now, by the way, remember I talked about Miranda rights, and you weren't entitled to Miranda rights until after you were uh, arrested? Well, that's important to know that. As a matter of fact, even if you're not advising Miranda rights, he doesn't tell you, and you say, you know, well, I killed a bitch, all right, for example. Uh, but you were Mirandized when he asked you. If you take the stand and testify and say, I had nothing to do with the girl, I didn't kill her, they could use that statement to impeach your testimony to show that you're lying. Now, that's not to really show that you didn't necessarily kill the girl, but to show that you're a liar. So you make a, cop, a statement to a cop whether you're under Miranda or not, it's still a very bad idea to do. You've got to be polite because the attitude about these cops is that you give them an attitude, they're going to make it hard for you. But, but remember... Making statements is very dangerous because all these cases I'm talking about here, like this kid told him he was driving the, the keeping in the car because his mother didn't like in the house. That you know that's not cool. You have to be if you said anything. You said you know I'm going on uh, uh, vacation for a week or I'm going to my mom's house and or I'm coming back from a dispensary to bring it home to the dispensary. I just got it from there or I got it from some other legitimate place or whether you didn't get it from a legitimate place. If you're going to a place where you could consume the amount reasonably that it's a product you can keep, but you can't be driving around with elbows in the car. All right, I will. I will remember that. Keep that in mind. Yeah, you yeah. Ten pounds. Ten pounds. You have out there right now. No, I, I, I had five pounds once in the truck when I ran out of gas on a five, and a CHP guy so yeah. nicely pushed me to the gas station on the freeway. That's so beautiful. It was angels were were with me. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, keep going. What else? You got? All right, here we go. Transportation is permitted as long as the amount is reasonably related to the patient's needs, as you're just saying. Transportation for personal use is protected for medical patients. The reasoning behind a doctor's recommendation is confidential and is not to be second-guessed by the judge, jury, or prosecutors. That means they can't ask you why the doctor gave you a recommendation. If he gave it to you, that's all you got to go. Go ahead. A doctor's recommendation must be obtained before the bust. Right. You can't get one afterwards and hope you're going to get defended. You can't have it before. A patient defendant may possess and cultivate any amount for their personal medical needs. Now, this is an issue, man. This is one of the things I'm struggling about. Now, I told you about this guy. This is my 21st year of it. This this last year, in 2017 and 18, I've had, well, three different drafts because the law is so ambiguous, it keeps changing, okay? Because each city and county can have their own rules, and I'll talk to you about that later, maybe not tonight. But this thing about how much a patient can grow has been held by the Court of Appeals as any amount that's reasonably necessary for your current medical needs. However, the courts have also said that each city and county has Hey, Harrison? Rabbi, uh, he happens to be staying over for this couple of weeks. He lives in Colorado, okay. and he's in the background there. Uh, we got about six more minutes. Okay, or we could wrap it up now. Whatever you. Please. Well, let me finish up this story. Okay, where were we? Rabbi, Rabbi, we're on we're on air right now doing a, a show. So yeah. could you please play cool and not talk in the background? Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Nice to meet you. Rabbi Singer, folks, is a, a Zen rabbi. He's famous for being a Zen rabbi. He's really down for being a very open, beautiful man. And he's also a very educated and well-spoken and a beautiful 
a rabbi and a beautiful soul who has he's here hanging out with me for a few days with his beautiful wife. He lives in Colorado now. And uh oh New Mexico, I'm sorry, New Mexico. And uh but he's here in Los Angeles and he's a he's been a friend of my family for many years. He's he's my teaching my twelve year old daughter her bat mitzvah uh, lessons uh, over Skype. They came to visit us. Anyway, where were we? Okay, so the question is, how much weight can you grow? The, each city and county has a right to be able to decide under their regulation laws, under land use, whether you can grow any marijuana at all. As a matter of fact, marijuana has been banned by most of the cities and counties throughout the, the California. Yeah. Now, the first case that came down was a case called the city of uh, the, uh, the, it was called the Inland Empire. Yeah. Rabbi, we can hear you. Please be. Okay. The, the city of this case, the Inland Empire case, the first case said that cities can ban dispensaries. The second case was Fresno versus Kirby, where they said they can ban all cultivation. Now, I'm shocked about that, but that's the that's the rights under the what's called the land use rights. Each city and county can say how many whorehouses they want, or how many gas stations, or how many dispensaries they want. Well, they also can say how much you can grow. However, under Prop 64, they can't interfere with that six plants, life plants you can grow in your house legally. Now, now the question comes: How many plants can a patient grow? Well, the courts of appeals have been saying the amount you can have is any reasonable amount that's reasonably necessary for your medical needs. Case called Pete versus Kelly. However, with the city and counties having a right to decide whether you can grow any marijuana and they can limit the amount that you grow, other than the six life plants, there's a conflict of what's going to happen in the courtroom when you say, Your Honor, under state law, I'm entitled to grow any amount that's reasonably necessary. And the person gets to, Oh no, Judge, he can't do that in this city or county because there are local regulations say that that's not possible. And then the judge has to decide, and I don't know why the court of appeals case has said it one way or the other, as far as I know. If someone knows about it, let me know. The court of appeals, that judge can have to decide whether violations of the local regulations preclude you from defending yourself in the state court under a prosecution for a marijuana case. So those are the kind of things that are left unresolved. And I'm concerned about it. That's why I brought it up as in my guide. One of the things I'm concerned about is how do I express that without uh, saying it in a way that's wrong. And so my guide is as good as it gets, but I want to caution you. It's not legal advice. It's not intended to be legal advice. If you want to depend on the law, you better look at the actual statutes or the Court of Appeals cases that I cited in my guide. So that's the way it is, unfortunately, folks. All right, let's go on with the, well, all these different things we touched on tonight. I trust in the future your, your guests will be more involved to be able to give us what they want to hear other than a couple of talking heads, and me in particular. But I want to say thank you for the opportunity to spread the word about what the laws are, because no one belongs in jail for marijuana. We actually have a right to be able to be in the business of marijuana, whatever we want to be, pay our taxes, income tax and sales tax, and be done with us. And this regulation up our butt is just not fair, just or really freedom. It's not legalization. It's regulation. So, again, if you need to talk to me, want to call me about the laws, you might you got in trouble, you get busted, God forbid, or you have concern about what you're doing that's kosher, call me at one eight hundred four twenty laws. Or you can also go online, look at my website and get my guide. You can download the region online at one eight hundred four twenty laws dot com. And may I say thank you for those who have listened this evening. I look forward to being able to participate again with my beautiful host that I love very much. He's a good guy. By the way, he's doing this out of his heart. I want you to know that. He doesn't, he's doing this because he believes in what he's talking about here. And so we want to see these laws change. We want to see people be free. And we want to have that sacred earth available to all of us when we want it or need it. Okay. All right. We have about a minute left. And I wanted to thank, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Bruce, very much. Uh, I want, I'd like to, He's so nice to let me extract information about medical cannabis liberation from him and all Oh. One, one, thing, one last thing. Oh, yes, yes. I got my shirt on. I put on the shirt afterwards. It's my shirt for LA, Los Angeles Normal. Do, 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 do. LA Normal. Yeah, normal. So that's it. 
Uh, that's an organization that I've been involved with for many years. And you want to join Normal, send 50 bucks. You send it to Calnor, be a or Calnor or LA Normal, okay. and be part of the scene. Good night. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Have a really beautiful time. You've been listening to Dean of Cannabis Law Radio with attorney Bruce Margolin, defended the most people they said were criminals help get them some freedom. So keep uh, keep your freedoms out there. Be careful if you drive and smoke. Don't just leave stuff so visible. And have a really, really wonderful day. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Smoke News Radio. <laughs>